A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Renthal on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,500 podcasts delivered with over 15 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. As always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by Maxis and the folks over at Renthal. This is an MXGP uh, look with Adam Wheeler from On Track Off Road and MX Vice's Lewis Phillips. We'll dive into what's happened in the series so far, what we think is going to happen coming up at these next few races, and all the difficulties and issues that the series has had with getting this thing done, just like we have in America. So uh, thanks to those guys for jumping on, and thank you people for listening. I really appreciate it. Flyracing.com, the 2021 gear is out now. Their complete line is available at flyracing.com. Go to your local dealer. Ask about Fly Racing or your e-tailer. You can check that out as well. Uh, your favorite e-tailer, flyracing.com, the Formula Helmet. Absolutely the pinnacle in helmet protection from those guys, and they've got a new Formula CC as well. Same great feature. It's just a little different shell. Uh, Zach Osborne wearing Fly Racing. Blake Baggett wearing Fly Racing. So absolutely doing a great job with those guys. Renthal as well. The winning brand in manufacturing design for the last half century. Renthal continues to lead the world at the very top level of sport, amassing more championship titles than all competing brands combined. They have over 222 U.S. titles and over 213 world titles. Thanks to the hard work and dedication and detail, the Renthal Factory has been helping world-class riders achieve their championship goals since 1969. A fraction of a second, a few grams, a couple of millimeters, it all counts. Welcome to the winning world of Renthal. Thank you, Maxis as well, MXSTs developed by McGrath, uh, Justin Rodbell, Alex Ray, Jeremy Smith, all running Maxxis tires out there at the Nationals and putting in good results on the SGB Maxxis Kawasaki team. Uh, mountain bike tires are phenomenal, whether it's the Minions or whatever. Uh, they work well. Uh, mountain bikes as well. Uh, UTV tires, and they got you covered. MXSTs, of course, their answer to a high-end uh, uh, dirt bike tire from the folks there. So please check that out as well, Maxxis.com for more information. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Let's get into uh, the MXGP series, shall we? And now, as promised on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, the real experts of the MXGP series and all that's been going on with the guys at in front and everything else, a couple of, of uh, buddies of mine from overseas, and uh, not going to see them this year at the Motocross the Nations, unfortunately, but we are going to get them on this podcast. Uh, first up, from On Track, Off Road, perhaps the best journalist in the sport, my friend Adam Wheeler. What's up, Wheeler? How are you? Hey, Steve. Not bad. Listen, I reckon Canada's chances at the Nations are better than ever this year. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, that That is one thing that you both are going to miss. It's just me ranting and raving about Canada yet again at the Motocross the Nations. Um, yeah, but you know what? It's just not going to be the same without JT's face of thunder. Um, <laughs> I, I, 
I don't know. I know, right? Also on the line, uh, a guy that's uh, covered Supercross the last few years. He's come in studio of the Public Mex Show, of course, from MX Vice. It's Lewis Phillips. What's up, Lewis? How are you? How are you doing? Stoked to be here. I've listened to this podcast for like 11 years, so I can't believe I'm actually on it. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, how's the thing with, with Burfield going there? How, how's that going, your own pod you guys got going on? Um, it's It's going. Mm-hmm. I mean, his knowledge on MXGP isn't quite where it needs to be. Yeah, but we we muddle through despite that. Does he have some hot takes once in a while that really make you shake your head? Uh, I wouldn't even call them hot takes. I'd call them <laughs> just wild throwing stuff at a wall and hoping something sticks. <laughs> hey, I can relate to that. <laughs> I've done that a few <laughs> times or or two. Uh, Isn't that part of the charm? That's yes, part of the charm is. Yes, it, it is absolutely. Um, all right, let's get started here. So obviously you guys know what's going on in America here. It looks like we're getting our nine race series in. We did have a Friday, uh, Monday uh, Red Bud doubleheader, but nothing like what Infront has been doing with the uh, three GPs in a week. I'll start with you, Adam. Uh, first up, what's your opinion on how Infront's been handling this and how has it been going and what's it like? Obviously, all the overseas stuff is done. Um, and, you know, they're going to concentrate on staying in uh, in Europe, but... What's your thoughts, Adam, on how this thing's been done? Uh, Well, I mean, I don't think it's any kind of coincidence that a lot of the riders or people in the teams you talk to, they say, you know, they're glad to be racing. I think it's been a major, major effort to to put this thing together, especially because, you know, in front, we're talking early on in the lockdown, around about March, April, that it would be impossible to run races without without public. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've had like a smattering of people in Latvia. Uh, I think it was up to 2,000. And in Italy, there was a triple header. And in the last round, they let 1,000 people in. Um, I'm not too sure what the the scope of that's going to look like for the future because, you know, we have another triple header in Italy coming up Mm -hmm. uh, next week um, and then another one planned for Belgium. Uh, So, you know, they're managing to make it happen and get the the championship up to a a credible kind of amount of races. But, um, you know, I I I have total sympathy for the headache that it's been in terms of logistics and trying to keep kind of contracts going. In fact, the most staggering thing for me is that we are – less than a couple of weeks away from the Spanish GP, which was going to be run at a new track um, just south of Madrid. And Madrid at the moment in Spain is just going off. I mean, um, they're talking about localized lockdowns and all sorts of extreme measures to try and contain this bollocks. So it's, uh, you know, the fact that that's still on the table and it hasn't been kind of called off is a testament to the kind of protocol they got going. And so, Lewis, you've been to these. Uh, what do you think, Lewis? How's this working out? How's it going? What's the attitude of everybody in at the races? It's okay. I mean, it's a means to an end, isn't it? Like, the whole, no one wants to do the testing. No one wants to go through all of the protocol that has to be done. But it has to be done. I think it's a little more strict than what you've had outdoors, definitely. But even in Supercross. Mm-hmm. Because I think Supercross, you only had to get tested entering Salt Lake, didn't you? Yes, just entering Salt Lake, yeah. Yeah, so like in a triple header, so a week, we have to do two tests on site and then one beforehand. So there's a little more to it and it's a little stricter than America's been. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the novelty of it has started to wear off a little bit. Like Latvia, everyone was just happy to be there, high-fiving. Well, metaphorically (laughs) high-fiving. Like just, oh yeah, we're getting the races in. This is amazing. Fienza that started to wear off a little bit and there was talk about how the triple headers are taking a lot out of the riders. Yeah. Maybe double headers would have been better. So I'm interested to see how that goes moving forward because I guess that novelty will just continue to wear off. But 
it's better than nothing. I mean, I don't know how it is for you there crossing the state line, Steve, but I mean, the biggest that obstacle here is just the international travel. Um, and the reason why all these events are happening in Italy and, and so far and until Belgium is that they've reached agreements with local governments um, to get in. I mean, Lewis says, like Lewis says, there's multiple kind of testing, but you, you know, you have to test 72 hours before you leave your country. Mm-hmm. Then you need to test within 24 hours of arriving in the, you know, the country where the race is being held. So it's like, you know, like you said, it's really tight. Um, you know, one thing that was pretty interesting for me was that uh, the triple header, the riders were kind of, you know, to a man, they sort of pumped about the one day format. Yeah, uh, I think that's been kind of like a, a positive novelty so far this year. But, you know, they're all kind of saying, yeah, it's not going to be too tiring. You know, normally we'd be doing training motos and stuff during the week. But I mean, uh, Lewis probably will know even more because of the, the sort of far ranging podcast he does in the paddock. But it's, you know, I think a lot of riders were taken back by the by the you know the energy that's needed to do three races in seven days yeah it's nothing like practicing is nothing like racing right we heard the same thing for Redbud. we did the friday to monday thing and everyone was like no nah, no problem mondays are our day to moto anyways and after the race yeah some of the guys are like whoa wait a minute so i can't imagine doing three of them lewis for these guys and lomo is coming up and there's going to be three of them well weirdly i kind of thought like fatigue would be an issue but fienza it was really hot in Fienza by European terms. And I expected that to kind of like put everyone on the red zone, like wanting to, it to just be over. But the main complaint was everyone was just bored of the track. Like, obviously, there's no changes in Fienza. It's an old yeah. track. So everything's kind of set in stone. And rather than be complaining about being tired or it taking, them, taking it out of them, the main complaints were just pure boredom. So, but I think that won't be a problem. Lommel, it sounds like they're going to do drastic changes between the three events. Mantova, I imagine they can do something. Like you can easily bulldoze us straight there and mm-hmm. add different jumps, add some waves or whatever. So that will cure that problem and temperatures will go down as well. So theoretically, this may only get easier, which sounds kind of bizarre to say. Right. Yeah, I mean, just to, just to kind of set the scene for some of the US listeners, I mean, Lommel is basically like a giant sandpit in an industrial park so you can the track doesn't really have any definition apart from the markers i mean you can mold and shape that thing how you want um Mantua is a little bit more complex because it's actually within like a little kind of stadium setting in in a town uh in the center of a town in a park so it that there's probably it's a bit tighter a little bit harder to, to mix that round up too much but you know Lommel was the the possibilities are infinite i mean it's a great place to do a triple header yeah it's uh it, it, yeah, exactly. Like you said, it, I just wonder about the fatigue for sure. And, and that, that Forenza, how do you say it? Forenza? What, what? Fienza. Fienza did not look like a fun track for the guys. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. If, uh, I think it's um, it's a place, like Lewis says, it's got a lot of restrictions because it's very right. you know compact. I mean, it last had a GP in 2012, so it's not like they've been rushing to get back there. But, you know, fair play to the track prep because yeah. you know, I've seen that place like a supermoto track before. Right. And, you know, generally, I don't know, Lewis will probably agree with me. I think the track preparation in the GPs has been pretty spot on for the last year or two. I mean, certainly since Rui Gonsalves had like a, an influence on it like a year or two ago. Um, for me, I think I, I get the sense over here it's not perfect. We're not testing as much as probably some people would like. You know, we're, we are keeping the fans away from the teams and everything else. But I do get the sense, Lewis, kind of what Adam was saying, like over here, everyone's just happy to be racing and it's not perfect. And it kind of, there's things that suck about it, but we're all racing, which means people are making money. Teams are getting, you know, contractual what they're supposed to. 
and we're we're soldiering through this, right? But it ain't. But it's not perfect, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. is anyone stoked about doing all of this stuff? No. Like, right. I think that goes worldwide, doesn't it? But it's a lot better than just sitting on the couch all year, seeing teams go away, seeing promoters go away, seeing the whole industry go away. I guess in a sense, mm-hmm. like. And I think, like in America, you keep talking about autumn nationals and stuff. I think there will be stuff that gets pulled from this. I wonder, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. can work in the future. Like Adam said, everyone is just raving about the one-day thing. Like, I think Herman <laughs> would happily, like, give up half of his salary to just do one-day events. Like, yeah. I don't think anyone's more passionate about it than him. But No, the, we, we did it, what, see, seven, eight years ago? One-day formats, and uh, it's great. Although, yeah, like, it's, it's, a, it's go, go, go. For these guys, or the riders and the teams, there's no time oh, yeah. to, to hang out. You know, it's nothing. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah, you'd appreciate the fact that switching to one-day formats this year, I'm really missing the amount of bro downtime. Oh, it's it's cut <laughs> drastically, Lewis, for sure. Um, no, it's been interesting to see. Um, has there been spectators? Uh, I know Latvia, Adam, you mentioned that Lat- it did see the Latvians didn't seem to care. They're degaff about the COVID. Um How's the restrictions for the fans at the uh, at the Central Europe ones, uh, uh, Adam? Or I'll start with Lu- either Adam or Lewis. Like, can you go and buy a ticket for Lomo or or Mantova, or no, not at all? It's, it's hard to say. It's kind of changing. As far as I'm aware, you cannot. I mean, Italy was the they were. It was like I said, it was only on the last of the triple header. But Latvia, their the way to tackle the the virus was was not lax at all, purely because of the the cases they had were low. So they were able to pit up, uh, permit up to 3,000 people into the site per race. Yep. So that gave them room to accommodate everyone in the paddock and also the public. I mean, I, I really don't know what the kind of status is there now right. uh, since we left. But, you know, it's something, you know, again, that's frustrating for Infront and where you do have a degree of sympathy that's changing week by week. Um, I mean, you can see in the UK now there's been even more kind of strict lockdown measures. And again, like I said, I'm surprised yeah. Spain is still on the list. I wouldn't be surprised if that suddenly gets yanked in the next seven days. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, going back, just this one point, going back to the one day format thing, um, I, you know, like, like Lewis has said, I think it's something the riders are, are raving about, but I just, I, I cannot see it happening for MHDP. I think um, if you see any kind of responses from fans or spectators on social media, then, you know, that, that kind of weekend yep. format, you know, I think you could still run a whole load of like uh, support card races on a Saturday, like Europeans or mm-hmm. the Women's World Championship or the Vets or whatever else, but. You know, people want to pay for a weekend ticket. They want to get camped out. They want to have some beers, and they want sure. to see the GP guys both days. So it's yep. it's something that will rumble on, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it. Uh, we'll see what happens for for that. Adam, you haven't been to any of these ones, correct? Or have you been? Yeah, yeah. I was. Oh, okay. In, I was two. I was in two in Latvia, and then I did the first one in um, in Faenza. In Faenza. Okay. I'm not going to the first one in Mantua this weekend because uh, it coincides with uh, MotoGP. Um, which, you know, has an even stricter protocol process. Um, they're racing in Barcelona, which is my hometown, right. uh, this weekend. So, yeah, we'll be uh, just following it online for the for the, for the first Mantua race. All I can think of as Mantua is the time I went and there was no ice anywhere. That's all I can think of in Mantua. There was no ice. <laughs> it, was, it was 35 Celsius and there was no ice. Anyways. Hey, yeah, but you also, you know, and you know how you love the European kind of bed layout for the room <laughs> yes i think in in, in a typically italian hotel with full respect to italians listening to this then i think you would be you know complaining oh boy let me tell you <laughs> um so lewis something i want to add well adam and you this will cover you too now that you that uh, now that you've been there so i'm not i didn't go to millville 
and I'm not going this weekend, uh, partly due to a family situation, but also partly yeah. like the uh, Loretta Loretta Lynn's. I showed up, no interviews with the riders after the races. Do not go in the trucks. You know, kind of like Salt Lake. Uh, Zoom the 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 Feld guys in Salt Lake and the MX Sports people for the outdoors. They've been doing a good job with the Zoom stuff, so they've been getting you quotes. But as both of you know, getting in the trucks. Talking to people you know, even staff members, uh, that's where you get stories from. That's where you get information from. That allows you to pursue different things and different angles with the riders. Now, MX Sports uh, relax that a little bit as far as, hey, after the races, if you see the riders uh, kind of in a safe zone, which is outside of their truck, they, they can do interviews. Kawasaki, though, has still said, hey, no, no interviews after the races, no matter what. So these are things that led me to kind of say, you know what, maybe I'll stay home. Like, it's not great access. And I'm not complaining because I understand it's COVID. It, we're getting through this thing. I totally get it. But it has hurt the job a little bit uh, at the races. Lewis, uh, how's it been for you and, and everybody at MX Vice? Uh, well, I was expecting the worst. Like, when uh, the first one in Latvia, I was heading there thinking, right, I won't speak to anyone. I won't be able to do anything. I was essentially thinking I was going there to tweet, and that was all I was going to get from it. Right. Um it's kind of normal, and I'm not even sure if I should publicly say that. But <laughs> as far as like doing post-race podcasts go, yep, I'm getting just as many as always, and all the guys I want, and it's and have the not teams really that have, different. Have you? Can you go under the tents and the teams? They're okay. Everybody's fine. Uh, yeah, the team. Most of the teams are okay. Weirdly, Kawasaki are the only ones here that have put like a firm ban on it. Okay, so I guess that's a Kawasaki global. Must thing, be a global Kawi thing. Yeah, they're yeah. the same way over here. Right. But, right. I imagine that if the teams didn't know me, they wouldn't want me anywhere near. But a lot of the teams have just been like, "Oh yeah, it's fine. Do like we, yep. as long as you respect everything, yeah. then you can talk so and so, whatever." So it's been okay. Like it's more than there's no reason why I would think that it wouldn't be worth me going to Mantua, for instance, because okay. realistically, I've been able to do everything I need to do. Right. Right. Okay. Interesting. I Adam, think it's, it's, yep. it's it's worth like you know considering that we've been tested twice to get in the paddock i mean even to get in the circuit you you know you have to produce those two negative tests so it's not like you're just charging into a team and you know like like lewis said there are teams i mean krt is off limits uh, husqvarna i tend to find is pretty much off limits ktm is a little bit more you know if you arrange things in advance then you can get stuff done i mean nobody really wants to close the door which is which is a cool part about it because Again, doing quite a lot of work inside MotoGP. Everything is by Zoom. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm going to the circuit this weekend, but I have to go and do a test tomorrow. Um, I can only do interviews with some team managers and mechanics. I can't talk to any riders. Um, I found largely getting material in MHGP is, 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 like Lewis said, is pretty much normal. Okay. I mean, you have to, you're doing the interviews behind masks. It's not right. ideal. Um, and I'm missing material from Roman Febra and, and Clement de Salle uh, from, from Kawasaki. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you, going to a race is, is, like you say, it's not too bad. It could be a hell of a lot worse. Right, right. Yeah, I, I feel like over here it's a little touchy still. You can kind of go in the truck. I had, I went and got a coffee, you know, something that I that I normally do, and I kind of got a side eye, looked at me by one team, and kind of like, what are you doing in here? And, you know, I, so, yeah, it's a little – it's funny because, it, generally speaking, America, I think America down here we've been a little bit of uh, – 
would a laughing stock be too hard of a statement? Is that too hard? Skeptical. Skeptical is probably a nice word. Skeptical. Let's think of, see Adam Wheeler coming in with the hot with the with the great word. <laughs> We've been a little skeptical over here in America of this whole thing, and but yet at these races, it's been been pretty locked down. You know, we had a journalist kicked out at uh, at Salt Lake City by Feld, right? right. Uh, Don Maeda said they said, hey, you know, you can't come. You're you're breaking the rules. So. It just makes our job a little harder. And again, I'm not complaining. I get it. And hopefully in 2021, it's all back to normal. But it has affected, you know, my job a little bit, the, the access. So that's all. Um, all right. So I kind of feel like this has been a really good season, by the way, in MXGP. MX2, not so much. But MXGP, I feel, has been a great uh, uh, series so far. A lot of parody, a lot of things going on. Um, I guess we'll talk. I'll talk about Jeffrey's injury in a second here, but... I feel like, Lewis, there's a changing of the guard going on. Your DeSales, your Paulin, even your Febra kind of starting to catch up to them, crashes or age and or both. Um, you're starting to see Sewer, Jassiconis, you know, Antonio is a different – he's an alien. Let's put him aside here. Uh, Tim and everybody else, like a little bit of a changing of the guard, Lewis, in MXGP. Yeah, and I think this has been coming for a while, but I almost feel like 2020 is a preview of what's coming in 2021, mm -hmm. because 21 is when I think the Prados and the Sewers will really step up and kind of make their mark. Um, I actually think that typically guys like Paul Anne, DeSalle, they've kept on to factory rides longer than you would typically expect. And I think that's led to some of the issues with Riders not being able to find rides, like mm -hmm. Max Anstey, for instance. Obviously, I'm all over that one. Oh, yeah, um, Anstey. Oh, God. Here <laughs> we go. That's why we've kind of hit a bit of a sticking point where <laughs> riders coming up haven't been able to um, get rides in MXGP because there hasn't been that turnover that you would typically expect. But I feel that is now coming. Well, it is coming. Like, 2021 will be the official changing of the guard, I guess. I had under 12 minutes for the first Anstey reference, but it was actually 18, Adam <laughs> Wheeler. So, uh, yeah, it looks like I lost that bet, you know, for the first uh, Max Anstey reference. Well, we can do well, a when separate we... podcast on that if you like. <laughs> okay. Well, when we, when we get on to hurlings, I might just go and make a coffee or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I don't. I don't want Lewis to get too sad. I know. No, so. believe me. It, it, there's a lot of hurling guys over here. The the bullet has a big fan base over here as well. Um, but uh, what do you think, Adam, on uh, on what we were just talking about and the kind of the changing of the guard here? I do feel like we're starting to see that. Well, the best thing that happened was in 2018. Jeffrey Hurlings just ran riot, and I think everybody looked to themselves, looked to their setups, and thought, right, you know, we've got to really get knuckle down and, and change things here. Um, you know, and for me, riders like Jeremy Sewer, you know, I mean, he's, I think he has maybe four or five motor wins to his name, two Grand Prix wins. You know, he has got nowhere near the numbers of the guys habitually at the front of MXGP, but he's worth his weight in gold. Um, you know, he's only gone up in, in the standings every single year of his career. Uh, last year he was runner up, so now he's shooting for the bigger prize. But, you know, Make no mistake, I mean, Jorge Prado is the kind of Antonio or the Jeffrey of MXGP of the future. I mean, he's still 19 years old. Uh, the balance of the... St I've never seen in 20 years a guy start like that. I mean, I don't mm. really know how he does it. <laughs> right. But, you know, his, his freakish freakish ability to, to take hot, uh, whole shots is, is something I think the whole industry needs to be looking at because it's just, um, he's almost invincible. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he doesn't start well, then it's like, hey, what happened? Right. Um, so... You know, that's that's something we're going to have to get used to, I think. Yeah, I, it's odd to me to see, like, Paul in and, oh, well, DeSalle, you know, he's been injured, and 
hard to see the. They're just kind of also rands right now a little bit. February will yep. come out of nowhere. February has that moto here and there, right? But yeah, it's it's. Yeah, but Steve, you know, you're talking about riders that will uh, endure over the course of an eight month championship. You know, they'll yeah. be there kind of week in week out. Mm-hmm. They'll always, you know. If they, unless they write themselves off from injury, which, you know, in the case of Paul Ann and Dessau has been kind of the problem throughout their careers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't think a sort of 13, 14, 15 round championship in the space of three to four months is, is ideally suited to the intensity that these these guys need. Sure, sure. Um, let's talk about the bullet. Uh, an odd crash, uh, pretty serious injury, Lewis. Um, that's two years in a row after his amazing season uh, a couple of years ago. Um and and a lot of injuries are starting to maybe add up for Jeffrey. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much you want me to go off on this one. Like, have we got two hours? <laughs> no. uh, I guess first of all, your let me get let is... me get a Parabinos on the line and JT, and you guys can all just just talk about the bullet for I a couple this, hours. I feel this was worthy of a rental reaction. Let's be honest. Right, right, right. <laughs> but to your first point, uh, yeah, weird crash. I think that most people still haven't got a grasp on what happened because. He wasn't pushing. He wasn't on a fast lap. It wasn't necessarily a spot where anyone else crashed or weak. Like, so that was bizarre, first of all. There was a lot of confusion about that. Um, but that's kind of his MO. I've said this for years. He doesn't... It sounds mental. You're going to yell at me. He doesn't really crash. It just so happens that when he crashes, he breaks. Right. Like, compare him to Geyser. He's like a... Yeah. Just a wow. walking... Uh, walking figure of stability. Like... <laughs> So, so that I think he gets a bad rap for that because he doesn't actually crash as much as maybe his injury record shows. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really serious injuries. Like I said to um, KTM's Dirk Grubel after the race, it must have been a real confusing like mix of emotions because on one hand, absolutely gutted that he's out. Like obviously that's a disaster. But on the one hand, ecstatic that it wasn't worse because it really was best case scenario. So. Like, I think, yeah, there's just a lot going on there. But, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. It was definitely his most serious injury. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, any time a rider gets airlifted out, I don't think you can kind of take that one lightly. I wonder, Adam, if we see Jeffrey, a different Jeffrey when he comes back. I mean, he's always, you know, whether it's the femur or, or the, the wrist or whatever, he's come back and he's just, like, he's literally just hit the ground running, you know, as fast as ever. Um, I wonder this one might, might – um, how old is he now? How old is Jeffrey? 25 just turned 25 i think yeah you always uh, just turned 26 on the 26. Plans of three. did did you get him anything lewis uh, no actually i didn't <laughs> okay it wasn't there all right i just I had, I had big plans I, i'm sure you did <laughs> um but you know adam i wonder if if we see a different a different jeffrey hurlings when he comes back from this i think we already saw a little bit of a different jeffrey hurlings at the start of this season mm-hmm. but you know the, the biggest thing with that injury is you know how do you recover from it i mean Cairoli had uh, a neck kind of shoulder injury in 2016 and for the better part of the whole season he was dealing with nerve damage that you know left him trying to compensate or overcompensate on the other side of his of his torso and you know he just wasn't able to compete with tim guys that season so you know to come back from you know i think sort of two fractured vertebra or whatever it was i mean it's uh Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big ask, and it's, it's such a shame for him because he was the first rider to post a one-one, um, you know, in, in in the race just before his crash. Yep. And then we're going into a phase now of six rounds in the sand. I mean, he really could have put this thing to bed nice and early. Um, so uh, for me, I mean, Hurlings has three more years on his Rebel KDM contract, so he's not going anywhere. Right. 
Uh, and the, the biggest carrot he has is, is just that 101. Stefan Evitz is, you know, the hall of race wins. I mean, Cairoli now is ahead of him again by one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's, he's, he's got three years to, to notch 11, 12 races and, and yep. take that record. And I think that's going to be, you know, quite a big source of motivation for him. There's lots to, of... Um, oh, go ahead, Lewis. Uh, to that point about how he recovers from this, uh, obviously once we got the message that it was all clear and he, there wasn't any, like, serious damage like everyone expected on that Wednesday I was kind of like okay that's good like okay move on from here and then when I spoke to KTM on the Sunday and I was interviewing Dirk Rubel he randomly dropped into the interview like I hope he can come back and battle for another championship (laughs) and it kind of took me back a little bit because I was like I hope like where's that come from I thought it was a given yeah like so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens from here I highly 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 doubt we see him until 2021 yeah Uh, I would think so right yeah yeah, I think it that's... was a it was a big crash. I think back in 2011 for Steve Ramon at Lommel. Um, you know, he landed on his shoulders and his neck, and it was like the nerve damage that basically ended his career that day. Um, you know, it took him a period of months to to get over it. I mean, I don't, I don't it's nowhere near as uh, it was much more serious than what Jeffrey enjoyed. But it just goes to show that just because you haven't got broken bones, this thing mm-hmm. can still screw you up. God, how many wins and titles has Jeffrey left on the table now? <laughs> Right, I mean, and then the ones that he's got—it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing. I, you know, you talk about that contract, Adam, and you know, it's a, it's a high dollar contract, and 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 he's worth all of it. But you know, the same kind of stuff is being whispered over here about Ken, and will Ken make the end of his deal? You know, um, I think he will, but but I think there's whispers that maybe maybe this isn't for him. You know, all the things that he's gone through, all the things that Jeffrey's gone through, so. Somebody asked me in Fienza if Roxham would come back and race MXGP, and I I couldn't see it happening. But no, you know, there was still some talk about it. But no, you know it's I, I can't see it. Um, poor poor Tim Geyser Lewis. Like he seems like a nice guy, um, you know, and all of that, and he's a great rider. But is anybody not pulling for Antonio Caroli to get his tenth? title here like poor poor geyser but literally like everybody in the our paddock over here is, is like just oh this is so awesome oh antonio i mean everyone's pulling for the old guy it is weird it does seem like like geyser's obviously multi-time world champion he's got a lot going for him at this point in his career but he doesn't seem to have the clout that either hurlins or caroli have like i don't think anyone is ever really talking about him or like you say rooting for him especially in this situation obviously a 10th world title for Caroli would be maybe the best thing to come of this weird COVID year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be a strange time to do it, but hey, it would get him in the record books. But yeah, I think I think it's going to be close. I think there's a lot to that battle. But yeah, I feel like everyone is on Caroli's side, like you say. The COVID thing really helped Antonio, didn't it? The break. The the break. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that, like, uh, you know, as crappy as this thing has been. He wasn't himself at those early races, and and you know, and then next thing you know, he's kind of gotten stronger here. So, well, he was still dealing with uh, the fallout from his shoulder injury last year, yep. which you know he's he's uh, broken his arm, he's done his knee ligaments. Uh, like I said, he had that neck injury in 2016, but I think that was the most serious kind of setback he's had to deal with. Mm-hmm. So, the start of the year going to Madeley Basin, he still wasn't over that, and I think it was actually at Madeley or just before that he tweaked his right knee. So he's been dealing. He, you know, there's there's kind of like a little veil of secrecy over the Dakali team. You never really find out how you know bad things yeah. are, or also how good they are. Right. Um. So he's been dealing with that as well, and hasn't really let on. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of ligament damage there because he keeps referring to it. 
even though he's he's riding quite strong. But you know, his it's almost become a mantra now of him not being able to put his foot down very much, and his qualifying is 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 pretty terrible. Uh, that ability to put one fast lap has has been you know seen him far down in the gate. But uh, you know, he produces the goods when it comes mm-hmm. to the races. Yeah. Well, you you talk about those sand races coming up, Adam, and I mean, and with ta- with Tim being uh, slightly crash prone. Um, don't you feel like this is Antonio's the uh, the heavy favorite here to get this thing done, or no? Am I am I reading too much into Antonio's sand skills? I think it's um, no, no, no. I don't think you are you are wrong at all there, Steve. But I think it will be kind of people like Prado, Jesse Connors. They'll they'll be pushing more for the victories, mm-hmm. and you're going to see a very kind of astute Tony Cairoli looking around him, working out what's going on. Um, you know what points he can take. I mean, the guy is what thirty-five now. Yeah. Uh, thirty-five today, actually. Is it the twenty-third today? Um, so it, you know that kind of experience, you you just cannot buy. Right. I mean, that's why there was some talk there. Would he stay another year at KTM? Um, you know, and obviously they got Prado and Hurlings on big money, big contracts. But it wasn't a surprise that they actually signed him up for one more season. But I, I like Lewis said, I, it's, a, it's a big old story. I really hope he does it. Yeah, I think everybody does. Again, poor Tim. Um, but, uh, Lewis, I kind of heard through the grapevine that uh, Geyser's been on the new bike, the new Honda that just got released last week here. I've kind of heard through the grapevine that there's, they've had some teething problems. I don't know how much digging around you've been able to do on that. Like, there's been some issues with that bike with Tim? Well, that bike has been, like, a big secret. I know at the beginning of the season, no one was really allowed to take photos of it. Like, you couldn't really go anywhere near it. But, I mean, that's clear for all to see. They had a bike problem at Vulcansward in the qualifying race, which, you know, just a qualifying race, a big deal. But then, what, five months on, they had another problem in Latvia. Uh, they put it down as an electrical problem. But, mm-hmm. I mean, how many electrical problems can you have in the world of motocross? Yeah, they're, so, all, they're all electrical problems, even when the connecting the rod is hanging out of the bottom of the motor. Right. Yeah. Kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit. It's like, well, that's, this is quite far down the line now. Yeah. I think, feel like we're really in the new phase of this bike, especially with all of the uh, time they could have spent on it on lock- in lockdown. Right. But it's really, it's really made the manufacturers, other manufacturers, sit up. I mean, I know the Yamaha have been looking very closely at that CRF and just kind of thinking, um, you know, wow, that's a step forward. Right. Um, so, you know, the chassis, the bike is way more compact. Um, trying to get the, you know, Geiger and, and Mitch Evans really to talk about kind of the frame and the way it is handling has been tricky. I mean, HRC are not giving out many details, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, I think it's like, you know, it is a new bike, but I, I think, you know, guys is extremely happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it. Right. Um, what was, what was the reaction to Jeffrey's crash with other riders? Were they, I mean, obviously look at it, you know, it, it, he was on his way to winning this thing. Um, everybody kind of like, ah, oh, that's Jeffrey or is everybody kind of like bum for him and, and the team well, or what was it? Uh, I obviously when I spoke to riders that night, I kind of threw it out there. And it was a weird stage because at that point, I feel like some people expected him to maybe come back the following Sunday. So no one really knew the magnitude of the injury. Yep. But at that point in the series, everyone had had their bad luck except for Jeffrey. So everyone was kind of looking at it as well. Everyone's had a bit of bad luck now. So the playing field's been set a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, I spoke to Tim about it and I like, just said, you know, oh, Jeff, looks like Jeffrey's out. A huge bummer, but changes the title a little bit. And he kind of threw out the standard, yeah, it's motocross, uh, bad luck happens, you need luck on your side. And I kind of said back to him, like, yeah, you do need luck on your side. Like, your Latvia crash could have been oh. just as bad as that. 
and Gumby, Gumby, Gumby Geyser, we call him over here. Yeah, he, he didn't really, he didn't really seem to appreciate me saying because that <laughs> crash could have been just as bad. But I felt like that was the walking example of you yeah. lucky motocross. Oh yeah, jeez. Uh, listen, Tim. Any one of the last half a dozen crashes you've had could have ended. Especially in Latvia, because they must yeah. have had about four or five in Latvia in particular, where he just like bounces down the track. Maybe that was it. Maybe he was just confused about what tra- uh, what crash I was talking about. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see. So Prado Prado's the next guy. Uh, obviously, great team. He's w- working with Caroli there. I don't think he's coming to the USA, right? That was a, a buzz for a year ago or so. But it seems like he's pretty like embedded now into Carly, huh, Adam? Yeah, it's uh, you know, I mean, Caroli's Ky- been with Ducali since two thousand and four, and just mm-hmm. look at all the success he's had. And I think um, Jorge's found Ducali's found his next project. Yep. And Jorge's found like his, you know, his kind of ideal team situation there. And you could argue that a rider like Gautier Polan has never found his Dakali. Um, you know, right. he's bounced around factory yep. teams and really hasn't found like the place to, to kick on and get the results. So, yeah, it's very hard to see him moving now. But I think, he, you know, especially if he goes on and wins it this year after having a broken femur and a broken collarbone. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be 20 years old at the start of next season. I mean, yeah. you're, you've already won three titles. It's... Uh, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I think he should like, think, right, I'm going Supercross. Right, but. right. Yeah, I mean, we've seen with, with Jeffrey and Antonio, I mean, there's plenty of money to be made, plenty of legacy to be set racing MXGP, you know, uh, as opposed to the meat grinder that is Supercross. So, um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yep. in, in you know, I obviously live in Spain and I can see that, you know, the, the effect. I mean, maybe it was the same for Cairoli in Italy, but the Prado is kind of making national news, you know, when he gets results, when okay. he wins championships. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're talking about a country that produces the likes of Mark Marquez, uh, you know, Mark Comerin in Dakar. Um, I mean, they have a guy pretty much for every motorcycle racing discipline. I mean, Tony Bow in trial is, I don't know, he's won 20 world championships or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that he's here and pushing up motocross is really good for the sport. And I think if he went to Supercross, then it would it will go even bigger. So it's, uh, you know, something else to, to consider. No doubt in either of your minds, though, that he he's a future MXGP world champion, right, Prado? Like, oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. No. Like, yeah. If, you told me, if you told me right now that Prado is a 2021 champion, I wouldn't even argue you. Yeah, like, really, huh? Healthy yeah. Hurlings, healthy Caroli, healthy right. Geyser, like, wouldn't even dispute it. If oh, you told me he was okay. a 2020 champion, I'd be like, yep, I can see that. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and Sewer's climb has been really cool to watch. Like, just slowly getting better, huh, Lewis? Just slowly getting better, figuring it out, figuring the bike out. Um, he's not real flashy, but, man, he's steady, and, and he's and, and something has flipped with, uh, with Sewer. Yeah, I think everyone obviously expected him to improve this year, but something's definitely clicked where he's improved, but then taken that next step to being the guy who sits on the line and goes, well, I should win this which is obviously a massive step for someone to make in their head. He even said to me um, in Latvia that Latvia was the turning point where he was no longer phased by who was alongside him on the start line. Like, the two-two-two on the back of Crowley's jersey suddenly didn't mean anything to him, to him anymore. And he just would stare at that and be like, well, I need to pass you and I can do that. So I feel like his mentality's changed and maybe that's why we're now in a position where he can win on any given weekend and win this title, perhaps. What do you think can of Sewer? I say also, yeah. Sorry, Steve. Can I say also that it's a contest between him and Jesse Konis for the most spectacular riders in the class. I mean, again, as a media guy, I mean, you you look through photo galleries or whatever mm-hmm. to, to put on the site or in the story or whatever. And 
routinely it's you know when i see like ray archer's photo selection of, of various riders it's always the pictures of sewer that stand out i mean he's got the bike doing something mm-hmm. or it's it's crossed up or whatever it's uh I mean, he's spectacular to watch. If you if you saw any of the footage from the last three races in Faenza, then you know you couldn't really take your eyes off him. So that's another plus point. Okay, it doesn't turn into yeah. necessarily mean results, but it's still, you know, it's gonna it's gonna get following. Jesse Konis, like when they signed him, when the Rockstar Husky team got him, you were kind of like, okay, like I remember at the at the USGP and at WW, like you're just like, okay, like he's got a factory bike. Uh, but props to those guys for recognizing and 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 for for jessica for working hard too because he's really to me improved a lot and at one i, I kind of questioned that ride for a few years lewis right and then like he's well, rewarding them well the bizarre thing is he's re-signed for next year again but on his third one-year deal in succession <laughs> oh really so yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd think husqvarna at this point would go okay this experiment has worked yeah like Let's keep this guy. We've molded him. Right. But I even said to Jazakonis, like, what have you got to do to get a multi-year deal? And he said, I guess I've just got to be better. <laughs> so maybe I don't know Husqvarna see even more from him that we haven't Lewis, even really... we, we haven't really talked about this yet, you and I. But, I mean, let's not forget that, you know, Jazakonis' contract there with the Husky team, you know, a really high-profile, super resourceful team in the paddock, you know, has come at the expense of Paul's Jonas, who, you know, only three years ago was MX2 world champion. Um, and you know, was post, was as a rookie last year was getting podiums in the class. So whatever Jessica Connors has, you know, in his working relationship with Andy Peronan and the staff of Cavana, it's obviously enough to to warrant a contract over Jonas. You know, I think that's still pretty surprising. Um, you know, Thomas Kajer Olsen, who's you know had like three top three MX2 championship finishes in the last three years, he's going to be his teammate yeah. next year. But uh, you know, I mean, it's. Uh, Jesse Connors, I mean, it's a pressure cooker every year for him. I, I feel like that Jonas thing came out of nowhere, at least to me. I'm not deep as deep as you guys, but that just came out of nowhere. Like TKO, TKO is obviously good, but yeah, Jonas was pretty good last year. So um, I think the strangest yeah. thing about it is, well, I look at it as Olsen's replaced Jonas rather than Jesse Connors, but I guess either way you spin it. But whenever Jonas and Olsen raced each other in MX2, Jonas always beat him. So... I'm confused how we like we have data that suggests Jonas is a better rider, and yet we're throwing that out. But I guess it sounds like perhaps Jonas will end up at Gas Gas. So I guess if he's in that KTM group, right? Maybe it doesn't actually matter. Like, yeah, he's highly valued as well, isn't he? He's highly valued in 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 the KTM group. Um, I I can only think that you know his his poor poor luck with injury um, over the last couple of years maybe has gone counted against him. Uh, whereas TKO has, you know, only really dealt with injury for the first time this year, so it's uh, maybe one of the factors. Um, so Koldenhoff just went Koldenhoff in Latvia, right? He just he went Koldenhoff, and then now he's gone cold. Like, uh, I, I, what is injury? I have, I have many thoughts on Koldenhoff. <laughs> if you want me to go right now? Yes, please, please, <laughs> please, Lewis, tell us. Um, so Koldenhoff went Koldenhoff in Latvia, but that isn't what we should expect. Like, including that GP win, he's only won four GPs in uh, in his in MXGP. Uh, I think there was one in MX2 as well. Uh-huh. So, for him to go four, five, six, seven at every other race, that is cold enough. The nations and that one race in Latvia, that's the anom- that's the anomaly. Right, right. But everyone has jumped off of the nation, jumped on the nations bandwagon so hard. And even Herlin said to me in the off season that Dutch journalists were going up to him and saying like, "How does it feel that?" A- fellow Dutchman's going to challenge you for the title next year. 
<laughs> and I was just, I, even, I said to her, I was like, I don't understand. Like, we have many, 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 many results to go off that suggests that won't happen. Like, I don't understand. Like, to me, what Koldenov's done at every other race is fine. That's Koldenov. Like, right. by, his, by his standards in my mind, that's good. Like, that's a good Koldenov season. By the standards that everyone else has set based on his nation's rides, it looks garbage. Mm-hmm. So, in one hand, that makes me look like the worst person in the world, kind of just shitting all over. <laughs> on the other hand, I'm also being really nice and saying this is a good season. So I don't know what, where, what side of the fence you want to put me there. Right, so. right. Oh, by the way, getting back to Jessica Konis, uh, I met him last at the, the Nations, and all he said was, I've heard of you. And that's all he <laughs> said. And, right. and I didn't really know where to go with that. He's a giant man. And I felt like I should just move along. So well, every time I walk up to him, he just tells me he doesn't like me, and I'm like, well, okay, okay, all right, well, there we go. <laughs> so that's, um, a few work, maybe. Right, right. So what's been the? So obviously, look, KTM buying Gas Gas, and and they just, you know, they just announced uh, over here the new models, and we Barsha's going to go there. The TLD team's going to be turned Gas Gas, and on one hand, guys, I, I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, Pierre and everybody at KTM. By the way. Speaking, you're on the line with the mechanic that brought KTM its first ever American win, by the way. Just remember that. So the heritage oh, we of... We know that. It's mentioned over here all the time. Yeah. Whenever someone mentions yeah. KTM, that follows up. Yeah, yeah. Was, Ke- that, a Tim, was that a Tim Ferry thing? That was, Ke- that was Kelly Smith, high point. Ah, uh, right, okay. Okay, so my, my fact is KTM, you know, run deep, roots, roots run deep with me. Uh, anyways, so I'm kind of torn. Like, on one hand, I'm like, hey... That's awesome, like more jobs and more teams and, and everything else. And, there, you know, there are some Japanese big bosses over here that are really pissed off at what's been going on. And, and, and you know, Husqvarna, of course, KTM. And on the other hand, I'm like, well, it's the same bike. You're just putting different plastic on it. So, I, you know, when, you, when you're running around claiming Gas Gas's win and you're running around claiming Husqvarna won over here for the first time since Kent Howerton and this stuff... I kind of have an eyebrow raised, but in the end, it's more jobs and more money into racing. So I don't know where I stand with that. I'm, I'm very conflicted, Adam. Yeah, it's kind of complicated the way it's set up here. I mean, Standing Construct, um, you know, is a good team. They yep. do their own engine development. So the engines that Koldanov's running, of course, are based on that sort of 450 SXF, but they're mm-hmm. not the same that Hurlings will have. Uh, they've got a different fuel tank on it. And uh, from my understanding, the offseason, they're going to get a different chassis as well. So it's the kind of same thing with the Husky where they, they've, they you know, I mean, the gas gas thing happened, I don't know, just pre-Christmas, was it? So it was a very quick turnaround, um, you know, and they had to go racing with essentially red KTMs. But, you know, I think it will veer over time and get some sort of difference to to the kind of Austrian mm-hmm. engine or, or technical concept. But, um, yeah, I mean, Standing Constructs are developing the motorcycle, and then you have the MX2 team, which is very much kind of like a, a junior, you know, kind of development team for, for some of the younger guys. So it's, it's, right. it's interesting the way it's set up. But like you say, I, I don't think it's a, it's a negative thing. I mean, it's unusual to see, yeah. you know, gas, gas, such a trial mark, um, <laughs> you know, inherent in motocross. Uh, but, you know, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Lewis? Uh Maybe the novelty has gone from that as well, because when Husqvarna came in again, or came in in their new role, or however you want to put it, I was like, oh, wow, look, the Husqvarna. Oh, wow, Husqvarna are doing this. I don't know if I've really 
acknowledged that Gas Gas has won a GP. I think I've just acknowledged that a red KTM has won a GP. <laughs> like, when Gas Gas won a GP, I wasn't like losing my mind like right. around pit lane. Right, right. Like, what is happening? Right. But, yeah, I so saw maybe the novelty's kind of disappeared from that one as well. So, over... well, what about Fantic? What about Fantic? You know, they oh. took a, a, a European Championship win. This tiny, pokey Italian manufacturer with their with their two strokes. Yeah, I mean that was a, that was also a big thing. You know, like this, this historic kind sure. of name. Um, I I don't know what you guys know over there, but over here, like it's pretty well known that you know Roger uh, DeCoster, big part. Roger's pulling a lot of strings at Gas Gas and Husqvarna and KTM. Is it like that over there? From what you gather, is it is it pit by? I mean, pit seems like deep into MotoGP these days. Uh, I heard about this MotoGP stuff. It's a bunch of street bikes going around, but um, <laughs> but like, do, do you kind of hear that? Like, there isn't really a Husqvarna guy. It's it, it's it's KTM still pulling all the strings, or am I off on when it comes to yeah, over there? Uh, yeah, I mean, the race department. You got Robert Jonas, who's you know Pit Byer's right hand man, and has been for for a good few years. Um, you've also, you know, you've got more staff in there. So between them, they're, they're sorting out the three brands. Right. So, you know, uh, there's Diego as well. He used to work for Scott. I mean, he's been in Husqvarna for a, a good four or five years now mm -hmm. as well. And he's working with Robert. So they're all trying to put the, the chess pieces on the board for the paddock. I mean, it gets more complicated, but I mean, there was talk a couple of years ago. You remember this, Lewis, of, uh, Hurlings going to Husqvarna. They were like, okay, you know, we want to put him in, in white and, you know, uh, do something else. But apparently there was like a comment from Mr. Pira himself. He was like, no, this guy is orange. He's a KDM guy. Um, you know, he's yeah. been with that, that factory team since 2010. So, you know, it's, uh, it's the same crew basically doing it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I would say it's slightly bigger, um, than in, you know, KTM North America, but yeah, right. same principle. Yeah. Same idea. Um, can't be what KHI was looking for with, uh, uh, Roman Faber eighth, and uh, DeSalle tenth, huh, Lewis? Can't be what they were hoping for. Yeah, but do you want to know what's crazy? I looked at this earlier. So Fevre missed the first two rounds yep. with an injury. If you give him, say, a ninth in each of those four motos, very capable he's of right that. In yeah, championship. Yeah, like he's right in this championship. So he has been. I don't want to say he's been better, but he's been impressive in the sense that you can see that there's a potential for him to win races. The speed's there. I think he looks more comfortable than he did on Yamaha post-title winning year. Um, so I do think that that deal will come together. But I don't know. Like, There's been a few times now where he's been set up to make a run at the win and it just hasn't happened for whatever reason. Like mm -hmm. He'll either drop off fast or it just... I don't know. I'm kind of waiting for it to happen because I believe it will. But yeah, if you look at the results on paper, then Kawasaki aren't exactly killing it right now. It's funny. I still like take a double look at Fabron Green. It's still like a little shocking to me when I see a photo of him or, or you know what I mean? I'm still like, oh, especially when he especially when he's running Tomac's number. Yeah, 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 so, exactly, uh, yeah. right? Yeah. Um all right, uh Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Lewis Phillips and Adam Wheeler. Thank you to Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Please check them out on the web. The new light pant has no zippers, it just has a boa. It's really cool. Chris Kiefer says it's like wearing pajamas. So please check out Fly Racing and uh, the Formula Helmet, of course, doing great things with those guys. I want to thank the folks at Maxxis Tires. Justin Rodbell, probably somebody that you two are looking at the results and go, huh? Who's that? He's got a job during the week, Justin Rodbell. 
and he's running Maxxis tires and doing well on the uh, Maxxis SGB Kawasaki team, MXSTs, developed by McGrath. I want to thank the folks also at Renthal. Uh, grab life by the bars. Renthal uh, bars, of course, uh, are the official bar of uh, many of the MXGP riders. And uh, they started over in Europe. And whether it's a 7.8 bar, the, the fat bar, the twin wall bar, or the new fat bar 36 that Kenny Roxon won some supercrosses on, Renthal.com. For more information, they've got you covered. Sprockets and grips and, and all that from the folks at Renthal. And also Racetech. Pulp 20 is the code to save with Racetech. Go to Racetech. Get your bike some love. Get your oil changed. Get your motor work done or whatever it is. And Race Tech will dial you in and get your bike working better than ever. So, all right, guys. Um, that's the MXGP class as far as I've got. Uh, did I miss anything or anybody, Lewis, uh, that you want to talk about MXGP-wise? I guess if there's one person that should be talked about, it's uh, Mitch Evans, who I guess maybe most American fans won't even be familiar with. But he's definitely shown that he's got the potential to maybe really do some damage in the coming years. Like He's coming off of a pretty serious shoulder injury. Uh, he had full shoulder reconstruction in the lockdown break, but already quicker than I expected mm-hmm. in post-recovery. He's kind of shown he's got race-winning speed and could be a really good teammate to Geyser in the coming years. More so than a uh, HRC have had in recent years as far as a second guy goes. Right. Yeah, he's he's been better, right, than most of those those guys over there, uh, the second spot. Yeah. yeah. Um. I guess it's a bummer for Sean Simpson, Adam, to get injured again, uh, GP veteran. Yeah, I mean, just uh, running a training moto in Lommel, um, fracturing two vertebra. So he's, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much the season done. He also broke a pinky finger, which needed surgery. So, uh, yeah, first year setting up the, the you know, the, his own mm-hmm. team for Sean. I mean, the, the biggest thing as well, it's just left a real big hole for British riders in Grand Prix. Um, you know, Ben Watson, Conrad Muse, but there's there's not really, you know, Adam Sterry's injured as well. Um, you know, whereas before we'd have a good solid half a dozen, if not more, uh, you know, prominent British guys. Now you're kind of looking around thinking, well, we're in trouble here. Um, whereas like the French, you know, when we get on to MX2, like have an embarrassment of riches. So it's it's a, a bit sad from that perspective. Um but one, coming, one more point about MHGP, I think yeah. it'll be interesting in the next couple of weeks about, you know, to see what Yamaha do with their big structure because, you know, Sue is already tied up for mm-hmm. 2021, but we're still to find out who's going to be his teammate. But then the satellite team, which, you know, for American viewers of MHGP, Thomas Covington's part of that. Um, yeah, they're running three riders, the Italian, Lupino, uh, Calvin Philandron, who, you know, you could be South African or Dutch, depending on, yep. you know, what country you're from. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and then obviously Thomas, who's had that illness last year and now trying to catch up and learn in a, in a class where a top 15 result is, is, you know, kind of means nothing in terms of TV coverage and results, but it's actually an achievement. Um, so it's, it's you know, we, we, the whole blue thing is moving. So when yeah. that gets sorted out in the next couple of weeks, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I thought Tonus was coming back, no? Or no? Ankle injury. What? That was a he. It was an ankle injury. Oh no! Was, no, uh, I meant coming latest. back for twenty one. Tonus. Oh, okay. he's alongside Sewer, or no? No, I don't think so. No. Oh, no. okay. All right. Okay. So that'll be interesting. You've had something. You've had something. <laughs> right, no, 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 no. I, I, I didn't know that. Um, I am tight with Blue Crew, of course, but uh, I did not, did not find out. Uh, yeah. If anybody knows where what happened to Big Air Tom, from the Matterly Disnations to now, <laughs> let, let me know. Let us know. <laughs> Because I don't know what's happened to Big Air Tom from the day he represented Team USA and tore a knee up to to now. So it's not not gone well. Shout out to Tana Leuk too, just grinding away. Fly yeah, gear. How many races? 
Um, all right. So moving on to MX2, and I won't keep you guys too much longer. Thanks for, for jumping on the podcast with me, by the way. I appreciate it. Um, we're having this debate. Like, okay, the age-out rule. I'm not a fan of it. When you look at Vlanderin, you know, you look at Jonas, you look at Pacharel, these guys kind of big air Tom, they left the class. They can't really break into the mix of MXGP. It's not working out so well. I feel like the MX2 depth isn't great. Um, and I, so I look at, I kind of like, this is a classic reason where I'm like, wait a minute, is this a really good rule? Is this still, is this rule still working? Because I don't know, like, I don't know if, if you're telling me Jed Beaton and, and Watson and these guys, TKO's injured a little bit, are they really fast? I would look at Vlanderin and Jonas and go, I don't know. Because, you know, we've seen those guys struggle to get into the mix. Big Air Tom, etc. Are you with me, Lewis, on that? Like, obviously, look, Vial is, is world class. But I don't know about after that. Well, you've kind of got a weird group there. Because you mentioned Jonas, Vlanderin, Watson and Beaton. And Jonas has kind of always been a step above that. But uh, Beaton and Watson are more, like perfectly on Vlandering's level of speed. So that's kind of a good benchmark to compare those guys. But to. what I'm saying, so those guys are getting good like results like Vlanderin did, but are they really that good? Because Vlanderin hasn't shown to be really good in MXGP. I think so. Well the Vlanderin has had flashes. Like, okay. Shown All right. in the motos, but he was um I think he was second in a time practice session in Latvia. So that was kind of a little glimpse but he's got the speed okay and even in Fienza, he was constantly kind of fighting from the back but there's been little flashes that kind of make you go okay eventually this may work out um and a lot of the guys you mentioned like beaton and watson should both be better 450 riders eventually just because of their size and things mm -hmm. but as far as the rule goes i guess the way to look at it is if without that rule tom vial may have never got a shot and he's now turning out to be perhaps one of the greats of the future like, I highly doubt Tom Vial would have landed into that role had Jonas and those guys been mm -hmm. able to stay down longer. So, and I feel like that was part of the idea is to have a development factor in MX2 and then obviously that goes further to, into the EMX classes. So, from that angle, I guess you can say it works. But, yeah, I agree with you. The MX2 class doesn't have the weight that it did and especially to, like, American fans. I imagine they flick up the results and yeah. they're like, what is this? Like... I don't even understand what I'm looking at. <laughs> I just um, I just watch MX2 to see if Malin just passes out eventually from just, <laughs> just you know just eventually just figuring this talking too much, running out of oxygen, and passing out. The thing but, is, um, with, with MX2, you kind of have to almost ignore the names, which would be unfamiliar, and, and watch the guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, somebody like Mattis Bazraimi or, or Maxim Renault, um, you know, the way these guys are riding is is pretty special. It's, it's quite spectacular to watch. Um, Roman de Moustike as well. Uh, you know, you might think, well, who are these guys? But yeah. you know, there's there's some really there's some really fast and kind of crazy approaches going on. Um, I mean, MX2 this year is very much about a title duel uh, between two guys. But mm -hmm. then behind it, it's a case of like, okay, which which head case is going to come to the front next? <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, you know the age rule. I've I've never really been a fan of it. I think it should be pushed up another two years to twenty five at least, just because you have riders like. Uh, say Ben Watson, who's a, a bit of a slow burner. He's a perennial kind of fourth place guy. Um, but, you know, he, he can develop. I mean, he's got the size and the technique to really excel on a 450. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing with Febra, you know, he was uh, a guy who suddenly took wins in his last year in MX2 and then first year in MXGP wins the championship. Um, so it's always hard to, to really predict how a guy is going to go from that transition from 250 to 450. But, uh, you know, there's some, there's some, you know, exciting stuff going on in MX2. And for me, Tom Vial and Red Bull KTM is uh, one of the biggest stories in years. 18 months ago, he was barely scoring decent results in a European championship level. He wins in, in effect a shootout. Uh, with like three other riders for that factory Red Bull KTM seat. And then, you know, his attitude to work with, with Joel Smets. Um, I mean, he's lucky he's got a former GP winner as mm-hmm. a father as well, who's a very calming kind of influence. Um, you know, that, that, that turnaround is, is fantastic. It's phenomenal. Yeah, I remember when they gave him a shot, right, in the uh, in the EMX series or whatever. It was kind of like, oh, okay, like let's give this guy a little bit of help. And it was a little bit out of nowhere. Um, how good is that bike, Lewis? Good God. Well, Fiat is proof that you can jump on that and pretty much turn your life around. I feel like if Blue Crew ever let you go, if you can work out a deal with them, maybe you too could be MX2 world champion. I mean, I, I did I did test ride Geico a little while ago, the Geico machine. And machines. you do have roots with KTM, so maybe maybe we've just made a match made in Maybe, maybe. yeah. I, I do feel He's like... way too old. Way too old. <laughs> yeah, t- but you can fudge some paperwork, it's fine. I do feel like I could run top 15 with that bike right now in MX2. <laughs> well, it does seem like anyone can do that. Like, I feel like Vial got a lot of credit last year, but maybe the bike and team got equal credit, mm-hmm. if not more credit. Like, yep. because it, and it's not just down to the bike. I think it's down to everything they've got going on over there, like with Smets and people like that. Like, it really is the most perfect setup you could have in order to manufacture talent uh, like Vial. Right. Well, a testament to that as well is look at Renny Hoffer, who was the rookie next to him this year. And before his injury in Latvia, he was already posting top top five top five results. Um, you know, an Austria first Austrian inside an Austrian factory team mm-hmm. for twenty years. I mean, he had to talk about pressure. But uh, you know, he was he was able to sort of produce some of the goods early on. Um, you know, the the bike is is phenomenal. Right. And there was a period I think last year where. Vial was being courted by some other teams because he was obviously only given a one-year contract to see how he would get on um, under that awning. Um, but, you know, he, he would have been stupid to, to move away from the orange. And, you know, so it's proving. I feel like Ben Watson has stalled a little bit, Adam, from his kind of climb up this year. Yeah, or, or, two, you know? 2000, 2018, you know, he moved up to fourth in the world, um, which was a big leap up from 16th the previous year, I think. Uh, but then just two injuries last year slowed things down a little bit for him. But, you know, Ben's a, he's a fantastic talent, a really nice guy, perhaps, you know, you could say too nice. He just needs to work a little bit on that kind of uh, feisty racing character to to make the moves. I, I honestly think he will go well on a 450. I wonder if um, Beaton and Mitch Evans have thought, thought about coming to America like other Aussies, like we've seen Chad do and other guys, you know? Uh, I wonder if that's that's in the mix for those guys at all. Um, it doesn't really seem like it. I it think, does, it I think doesn't, the whole right? Australian thing stalled a little bit. Like all right. of the Australians that end up in GPs, there isn't really much talk of that at all. When, like you say, you'd presume there would be. Right, like, right. The roadmap's kind of le- uh, laid out by Chad, but it seems like everyone's kind of a recognizing that it's going to be pretty much impossible to break into America, and b, like you said before, GPs can work as a career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Um, What's the situation with the Lawrences over there? I mean, are they kind of on? Are they on rocky ground, or are they going to be? No, I think the Lawrences. I, I I could, you know, obviously Geico pulling out. I could see Mumford and Shimoda being out. I could see J Mart perhaps 
leaving, but I think the Lawrences are uh, the jet, especially is something that Honda wants to hold on to, and I think Hunter comes with them. You know, Hunter's just been didn't had just been the uh, just had a string of bad luck for sure. So um, another guy, if he can stay healthy, then he's yeah. you know he can do it. Shout out to Ferrado, uh, get well soon, uh, Alberto Ferrado, the people's champion. So, <laughs> well, look out for his champion? teammate. The Italians, the Italian journalists and media really rate his teammate. Mattia, I, I can't even say this properly. Guadagnini? How do you say, Luis? Guadagnini. Guadagnini, yeah. But, uh, yeah, this guy is potentially the next kind of Cairoli coming through. I think he's the one they're really all kind of counting on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Ferrado's got to be close to the age, you know what I mean? He's got a full mustache. That's, that is the benchmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's where you got to get on the fence. And a fedora as well. Right, 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 right. So, um, all right. Okay. Uh, so, Vial gets it done, though, do we all think, in MX2? Oof. Do we, do we coming up in the sand tracks? Uh, sand tracks is Gertz. That's his, uh, that's his territory. That's why I think he could be pretty happy with the results he posted on the hard pack. Right, right. But, you know, the last couple of races are a triple header in Arco de Trento, which is the kind of narrow, compact, sketchy, stony yeah. Italian hard pack. That's the, uh, um, that's, that's the RV. Be... That's the RV, uh, loop out. That's right. Loop yeah. out crash. Yeah. Track. That was the, the place that twisted, you know, um, Thomas Covington's melon in his first season as well. Right. Um, so trying to work that out. That's, that's kind of Vial territory. So he's got the, it's the, the, the pendulum swung the other way now. Vial's got to get right. what he can in the sand compared to Gertz and then, you know, hope he can peg back something on that hard pack. Sure, sure. I don't know, Lewis. What do you reckon? Uh, I'm not on the fence at all. I think Vial gets it done. Like, there's, okay. no, there's almost no doubt in my mind. Wow. Lewis, coming in with the hot takes. Well, no, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people mention the hard pack thing, but Gertz beat Prado straight up at St. Jean last year. So, ah, uh, Lewis, come on, Prado pretty much threw that away. Yeah, I mean, but him, Gertz, Gertz rode well, but Prado threw that. But also, Gertz isn't racing Prado now; he's racing Vial, which should be an easier yeah. challenge, I guess. And he's and better. Also, like Vial was a massive question mark last year, and by the time we got to Lommel, all questions had kind of disappeared, apart from how is he in the deep sand. And he was fourth overall uh, normal last year. And in front of him were Vlanderin and Prado. So you take those two out. I'm kind of thinking yeah. that even there, he'll be just fine stacking points. Actually, Steve, one thing um, that you're like, uh, and an important factor in this, this 2020 story is the fact that for the last three years, every other 250 that hasn't been an Austrian bike has had their ass banked out of the gate. And now, like Yamaha and Kawasaki have done some fantastic work because they're really, you know, pushing for yeah. whole shots alongside Vial. Uh, so, you know, if it was the usual kind of KTM formula of, you know, Vial mm-hmm. whole shots disappears like Prado used to, yeah. this thing would be much more clear cut. But, you know, the, the Japanese have done their homework. Yeah, I definitely, you know, with Prado's success over the years in that class, you're kind of like, is it the bike? Or, I mean, you know, you knew he was really good. Don't get me wrong. But you kind of were thinking, like, there were some sh- photos from Ray. Where Prado had two bike lines on dudes coming out of the gate, you know, yeah. and you're just like, wait a minute, but maybe that's more like you said, Adam Prado's skills plus the bike, you know. So, um, all right, uh, and and we all want Antonio to get it done in MXGP. I mean, let's just face it. Come on. I mean, I went and purchased some some stuff from Racer even to support the cause. Just I got some socks. <laughs> My Pookie got some stuff, so we're on board over here. That will get it done. I'm sure that little bit of support will push him all the way right. to the end. Do you guys? Yeah, you got to put it on Instagram. 
I did. Oh, no, I did. Yeah, I got a little heart emoji from Tony. So uh, we're, we're, we're good. Um, do you guys have any questions on what's going on over here in America? Because uh, I, I can maybe yeah. call somebody explain, to answer. Yeah. Explain Dungy. Because, uh, yeah. you know, uh, that – is it that really, really real, or That's, is it just some talk? No, it's really, really real. He's uh, he's decided he he's talked to Honda about leasing a factory bike and building his own team. He's got uh, an outside sponsor, uh, but I've heard that uh, through the grapevine that it's stalling a little bit. You know, obviously budgets being what they are in the times that we are. Uh, I probably. A couple of weeks ago, heard like, hey, he's really thinking about it and sniffing around. In the last uh, week or so, I've heard from some energy drink guys that uh, maybe isn't working out so well. So, I don't know why he'd want to come back. I really don't. We nobody, we've seen guys take a year off and come back and not really work out. Uh, not three years, you know. But yeah, I mean, it it is bizarre. But no, there's definitely there's fire there. He's sniffing around. It- I just can't understand the motivation for it. I mean, he's kind of, you know, will one more championship on the shelf really make that much difference? Or is it a case of just being bored at home or something? If you're bored, go mountain bike race or do triathlons or something. To me, yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a, it was a bizarre thing for me when I first heard it too. But it's, it's very real as far as that goes about him trying to do it. Uh, I don't know if it'll be successful, but he's trying. So. Does, that, does that mean he calls Alden again or is it? You know, just runs yeah. his own deal? Or no that, idea okay. on that part. No, I don't know. Because Alden's kind of locked in with the KTM Husqvarna yeah. crew, so I guess he wouldn't because he's beyond a Honda is what he wants to do. So, Yep. And uh, yeah. all right. Anything else? And is, uh, is, is, is Ferrandis getting kind of popular now? I mean, he was uh, painted as a villain for a while. Yeah. But, uh, you know. I don't know. It's it's a great question, right? Like like those boos that were raining down in Lewis, you, were, you, you heard them. You were there. They yeah. Were, they were substantial. Um, how much of those people are really the people that are following the sport, right? That are really at at the you know, listen to Pulp MX and 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 read Racer X online and all of that. I would say majority of not, right? So they haven't. So Ferrandis hasn't seen anybody. You know, the general public, the or the, I should say, the, the the people that follow the sport understand all those things that were going on, and you know, understood there a lot of them were racing incidents. Um, so no, I don't feel like there's been any blowback for Dylan. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Lewis, Lewis, what do you reckon? I'm, I'm half surprised at the amount of success that Dylan's had over there. I mean, I knew he kind of had the technique and especially the character and the kind of individualism to, to succeed. But, um, you know, I think he's just got better and better. It's just been cool to watch. Yeah, I, I am surprised. And even when I think about it now and think back to his MX2 days, I'm surprised. But then his MX2 days, he was facing hurlings. So if, we, if he had a year without hurlings in the class maybe it's then he would have had similar success here i don't know it's always back to jeffrey always well, if always kind of, unfortunately for a lot of the benchmark riders, that was yeah. the story of their career well it's the bench he's the, he's the benchmark you know i mean then instead of looking at you know 101 race wins and championships or whatever i think part of his legacy has got to be like hey guys i was the one you all had to catch for you know the better part of seven or eight years i i have to i, um, I have to put up with so much hurlings talk over here uh, it's unbelievable <laughs> There's there's a bunch of fanboys in the industry here, and, and I got to deal with these guys. And I sent out condolences to everybody when Jeffrey went down, and, and I got some I got some <laughs> crying emojis, you know. So yeah, it's it's a tough blow over here too. Um, actually, let me ask you guys about Liam Everett and Zach Pichon, uh, a couple guys that I saw race that their dad saw race up close. 
Do do we have any kind of future with either one of these of these kids, uh, Lewis? Uh, Everts, yes. Like he is on track to do good things. I think uh, he got injured at, in Fiennes. Right, so I saw that. that yeah. Uh, he won't be one two five champion this year, so that's a bit of a blip on the perfect trajectory to the top. But no, I think he'll be good. Uh, Pichon is not really in it anymore like he was full-time mx2 last year like properly doing it but then in the off season he was doing a bit of enduro then he was doing local stuff in france yeah then he turned up in mxgp he's not exactly like working on this to be world champion and right. i feel like that's kind of recognized that that will never happen do we have any Brian Sue updates at all from anybody? Oh, oh. Brian Sue. I, I got a text at the weekend that Brian Sue has split from another team. Oh. He never raced for them. Oh. He never raced for them. All he did was post one Instagram photo with them and split. I have no idea what's going on. Right. All I know is that about three years ago when he was on a Husqvarna in MX2, I found him in the pits and I was like, let's do a podcast. And he was like, brilliant. Yeah, let's do a podcast. And I hashed all this out with him. And then I stopped recording and he went, I don't want that to be posted. And I was like, well, okay, then I'm done with it. Like, I'm done with you. I can't. Like, I give up. I give up. Like, <laughs> uh, there's, there's, like a, there's, like, there's like an underground Brian Sue movement out there of people. And it's like, let it go, everybody. Like, let it go. Finding Stu. We need finding Sue. <laughs> finding Sue. Yeah, exactly. So... All right. Well, and also too, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna go there. I know both of you are pulling for Zach Osborne because if he pulls this off, it represents all that is right with MXGP and the superiority uh, complex and grooming him in MXGP and everything else. So I know both of you where your heart lay with Zach Osborne. But seriously, he, as you as you both know, he's a terrific dude and uh, and he's got a lot of fans all over the world. Yeah, just just because of that, you know. Yeah. I mean, he uh, he won a lot of fans when he's in Grand Prix just for his his attitude, the same sort of thing you see now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Send him a couple of texts as well, just to say get it done because it'd yep. be great to see. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then he just he, he just has to come back and win a couple more Grand Prix. Uh, boy, I can see MX. I can see MX Vice headlines now. Osborne wins American title. Will he try MXGP? Question mark. I I am actually a bit of an Adam fan. Oh, I have, and I, I kind of always have been, and especially since I've got to know him a little bit. Right, right. Trips. So, and also, him coming back to get it done would be an exciting story. Him, his, him coming back to get it done is kind of similar to Prado now making a run at the MXGP title. Right. Obviously, both 450 rookies. Yep. Both looking like they were completely out of it at the beginning of the season. Sure, sure. And now kind of back in it. So right. kind of similar stories. Uh, we called Adam was on the Pulp Show last night. We called him an outdoor specialist. He got very upset at that. But, I mean, <laughs> hey, the, the stats don't lie. He's outdoor guy right now. So, you know. Um, all right. Well, hey, uh, thanks to both of you guys. I really appreciate uh, uh, jumping on with me. No and It's late there, and I wanted to give my listeners an update on this crazy MXGP year, just like it's been over here. And, uh Three races in in six days, Lewis. Uh, coming up at a couple different tracks, so you'll be you'll be wide open as usual. Yeah, I think seven races in October, so yeah, way more than the normal four weekends. Absolutely, and yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's just a, you know what's the future going to be like? Um, you know, that's the kind of I mean, in front say they've got all the same guys who are on the twenty twenty calendar, the mm -hmm. original version, um, back on for next year. But if you still cannot get 
fans into 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 circuits. Yeah, uh, you cannot sell tickets. Then you know it's a, it's all up in the air. And, so I, I just hope something happens. And I just don't. I don't see problem. Supercross starting in January. Uh, I just don't see it um, more and more. Well, that doesn't work for me. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> so who I need to contact. Uh, yeah. Someone needs to be alerted, but that doesn't actually work for me. So. Okay, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. But Lewis, I told you the video game comes out in December, so you, you'll be all right. It's not going to be enough. My nerves are shot as I'm looking at maybe more MXGP we, cancellations. We just need to get the Anton for Lewis swap done just as soon on as we the, can. Uh, on the weekend of the Ironman National... Uh, it was an off weekend for GPs and I started to hear whispers that the American borders were going to open yep. and I genuinely had flights picked out so that if there was a, <laughs> just a random yeah, one yeah. of the borders I was going to be straight over to Iron Man oh, that boy. didn't happen so yeah. 2020 continues to just destroy <laughs> things for me <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor, poor Lewis uh, on track off road for Adam Wheeler and Racer X Online of course and, uh, and MX Vice for uh, Lewis Phillips uh, thanks very much, boys. I appreciate the time on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having me. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. 
been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey,